0: Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number eight. Last week, or last time, if you were listening, I had an interview with Dan Fiorella. We spoke for almost two hours, so I've decided to break it up into two parts. So this is the second part. So here again is Dan Fiorella. Another thing that was similar, and I'm sure, you know, this goes back to Chaplin and Fatty again, but, uh, you know, they just borrowed things on silent movie gags. Like, I want to know, who who was the first one, or what's the first instance of somebody having trouble sitting up a deck chair on a boat? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that, Monty Python did it, Pink Panther did it, you know, <laughs> you know, everybody has done, uh, having trouble setting up a deck chair, Harold Lloyd, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he used to bug me because it's like, I don't want to ever be around a deck chair, they seem highly dangerous.
1: <laughs> 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 things will kill you back in the day, <laughs> and, that, and that's why we need regulation, to so cut down on those Debt chair debts. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> There's
1: a lot less of that now that they've superseded and moved in and taken care of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A little to stick like that.
2: <laughs> but,
0: yeah, it is so. kind of funny because, you know, I, I, the, the, the good thing about all this borrowing and stealing or whatever you want to call it is at least... About it's so all
1: an homage.
0: Yeah, at least it get, it's gotten down on film. I mean, imagine all the stuff that used to be on vaudeville that's probably just lost to time, that well, no, nobody ever recorded or anything at all. You know? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, film well, killed vaudeville, way. but hey, it, it preserved gags, so...
1: It did. It did. There's some of the, early, the earliest talkies, where they literally... I mean, one of the earliest uh, Burns and Allen... Mm-hmm. movies It's just them doing one of their stand-up routines that they did in vaudeville a smith and dale the only record we have of them is that they can hold them into the studio they say all right do your thing and we'll just record it with the sound this is all i and this, some of the stuff even predates the jazz singer because mm-hmm. they hadn't quite figured out the technology and uh ab and costello themselves they never owned the material they did it for the movies yeah. and that's why you look at the show especially the first season of their show oh yeah they would be creating every single one of their signature bits so they would own it yeah that's like the, the big reason they even did tv was just so they could have it down and they could own the bits and uh, and, and make sure that everybody knew you know this is this is our signature bits and uh yeah. like it was a best of it was really their best of
0: right yeah well i heard it wasn't even just for that it was just to preserve it so that they had the definitive version of it even regardless if they owned it or not you know it was just like
1: yeah yeah but but them owning it was part of it because that was the one thing they never owned any of the material although that's one thing too that they they were so lackadaisical about movies unlike some of the other teams Mm-hmm. They would just like walk in, All right, what what, are we, what bit are we going to do here? And they would just do a bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They never worried about plot. Like the the, the they said the Marxwell, Groucho, and all. They would really work on the plot and the why is this working? And they were worried about movies. That's why they only did one a year because they didn't want it to. You know, meanwhile I'm still turning out four a year at one point. Yeah. And yeah, you know, so there was no one. you know, the characters never quite gelled the way the other ones did. It was just, you know, the aggressive one and the dopey one. They never, like, became... You never saw the connection of them other than, oh, here they are. <laughs> They've always been together and they always will. It was just, uh, we're just filming them as they do their, their shtick.
2: Yeah.
0: What I found interesting on a lot of old film comedians is that much of the time, except Three Stooges uh, and maybe a couple others, but much of the time they didn't use their real names it's like you have a movie like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and they're named Chick He's
1: one of them Abbott and
0: Costello yeah, yeah the chick and what's the other one called I can't remember off the top of my head but it's like you know he goes hey chick and it's like isn't he supposed to be saying hey Abbott no.
1: and <laughs> one spot he almost does yeah. When they're up against the wall, he's like, he's like He does say Abbott real yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, you and know, and it. it's like that's their signature catchphrase, and they can't even say it because, you and know, in most of their films that. they're not playing themselves. So it's really weird. Yeah. Because
1: it cause it they play weird. the same characters really. each time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, essentially. I mean, and the, the, the name is in the title. You think, oh, we'll capitalize on that. And then weirdly this was just on the other day too and Abba Costello meet the mummy yeah there's names in the script they just like threw it it was their last movie for Universal <laughs> nobody was watching nobody cared and they refer to each other as Abbott Costello through that whole movie yeah yeah even if you I look know, at so. the credits as the yeah he says oh he's Benji Benjamin and he's something no they they're, hey, I bet. they're doing the whole
0: and I never understood it, that. You don't even know why they did that either. Or was that something that they were contractually obligated to not use their real name or something? Because I mean, like Three Stooges, I they said they. It was always, hey Curly, come over here, you know. Or if they didn't yeah, call yeah. him by name, they call him uh, Knucklehead or whatever. You know, they didn't call him. Yeah, yeah. Another name, like always, hey Bob, come here, you know. It's like, you know?
1: They were always ha- only some of the early stuff. They actually do have different names, and like the like the first. One or two films. That's they,
0: true. They, that's true. They, I they think Punch Drunks name. or something, yeah, and The Woman Haters, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. The Woman Haters one, that's the first one. They're doing the whole thing in, 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 in Palmer, poems, rhyme, which is just a weird one. Yeah. But that was the first one. In three, punch Punch Drunks, that, that one, that was always one of my favorites. That's when, you know, Pop goes a weasel and
0: everything. Right. So, but but I don't think they use their real names in that one either you know I oh, uh, you know, think know, it's the but, third uh, one which the third one is uh, Men in Black which you know oh, that, really that one they definitely use the real names because they're going calling Dr. Fine Dr. Howard <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what, <exactly>.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well I think I mean I've read <laughs> Warren Hardy kind of like did that to protect themselves because
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's this thing where if you invented a character yeah and you, played a, you didn't own the rights to that character. Yeah. Chaplin got away with it because he was Chaplin, but how many ripoffs of Chaplin were there That were making movies at that time? Yeah. There were people out there dressing like Chaplin, calling out and mis, misrepresenting it, and they were turning out and pretending it was a Charlie Chaplin movie.
2: Mm
1: mm-hmm. so, And he, he had a difficult time tracking down because you really can't copyright a look. But <laughs> Laurel and Hardy, when they finally realized they were a team, they could be working together.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, they decide, all right, we're going to use our own names.
0: Yeah. And, and they did, did most of the began. time. They just had variations sometimes, like Ollie D and Stanny Dumb. I know.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For certain things. But their, their earliest movies where they're together, but not quite a team. Yeah. They are still putting pants on Philip. Yeah, yeah. name is Philip. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, but it was like, well, once they realized, hey, you know, I think this is going to work, we should, yeah. and then they became Oliver Hardy and Stan Laurel. So that point, and, and then the yeah, them the Stooges, but every other comedian, it was like, even though they're playing the same part, they were always like, oh, well, in a movie, Clark Gable never plays Clark Gable, he plays this name yeah. and that name, <laughs> yeah. and they went that route, which was, I guess, the more traditional, the Marx Brothers never never played their own names.
0: Yeah, uh, the closest, so, like, yes, guess, Ciccolini or
1: something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did some goofy thing, but it was always... Uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, he was like Rufus T. Yeah. Flyer Flyer, you know, whatever uh, the other ones... Uh. Oh. Hackenbush, yeah, Hackenbush, uh, yeah, Doctor Hackenbush. Or, uh, anyway, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I guess uh, I guess it was easy, you know, to eat your own. Or I don't know if there's anything legal, but the, 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 but they were always. It was never like they were playing parts.
0: No, I have only. See, you mentioned the Ritz Brothers. I really have only seen their Three Musketeers because not much is on home video. Uh, do they use their own names or do they use character names? Uh,
1: they, you know, I watched, I saw two of their movies. One's a horse racing movie, yeah. and one was them playing hillbillies, or fake hillbillies. They pretend to be hillbillies again on <laughs> uh, an entertainment show.
0: And no, I, I, you know, I actually, I couldn't tell you if they were using their name hmm. or not.
2: Okay.
0: I'll have to do more research. I believe in Three Musketeers, they played the musketeer-named roles, but that was because they are doing an actual
2: yeah yeah book,
1: book I, reference I you
2: know but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but,
1: but uh yeah, I can't remember that they were playing names not that they ever call each other names so much, but yeah yeah, uh yeah, I can't remember now again, I only just saw them for the first time a couple of weeks ago t c m had three of their movies it was their premiere, so they had never shown the movies before, yeah, and uh I mean, if I were gonna guess, I think they played you know the characters had names,
0: yeah. I think going back to Harold Lloyd, uh, I mentioned him earlier. I think there's only one film where he goes by Harry Harold Lloyd, you know, (laughs) and I believe Uh, it's.
1: But he always played Harold.
0: Yes, he did. But there's, I believe it's Speedy. I could be wrong, but it's one of the ones on Criterion. So it's, uh, I, I believe it's that one. He signs the check or something, and he signs it, Mister Lloyd or something like that. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, but yeah, he he never tried to use his real name the whole time either. But yeah, eh, whatever. Um, let's see. Going back to your career again.
2: <laughs> well. we've <laughs>
0: Well, so I told you that you know it's pretty free form on this stuff. It's okay, you know. So, um, there, it, but there's a couple other things I want to ask about. It's like, so I'm in—I'm a West Coast guy. I'm a Californian, um, but I know of Joe Franklin, um, and I've heard his show has been on. It's like a zillion years out there in the East Coast. And was kind of revered, and you wrote for that. How, what was that show like, and what did you do for it? Because <laughs> all,
1: right. all right. This is all right. This is kind of weird. The, the fact that I had I'm not going to say run-ins, but my path crossed with Joe Franklin on two different occasions, it's a totally separated <laughs> occasions. Uh, all right. As I mentioned, well, uh, yeah, Joe Franklin's show. Yeah, he's a legend. He's an icon. He he. There was a time when. He, he got people on the way up and he was like the first talk show that existed so he could have on his talk show you know Bob Hope Bing Crosby he would have these names and then the next night he would have these total local people and unknowns Mm. it was just remarkable they just liked him and if they were in town they could fit him in they would do the show in the spotlight Mm. Uh, he was a horrible interviewer he would just Weird things like suddenly break into a trivia game with these people. Like, like make when he has young people on the show, he's still making obscure old-timey references. Hmm. Anyway, now as I mentioned earlier, I was writing sketch comedy for this group called Style Without Substance. I didn't actually work for Franklin at any point. Oh,
2: okay, okay. Uh,
1: But I was on uh, working for them, and I really fit. In well with them, they were an amazing group of people, so talented, and as uh, the group kind of found its voice and footing and, and uh, numbers. It started out very large, and it came down to a group of core people that I was writing. I was writing stuff for them specifically. It was, it, was, it was a remarkable experience. Didn't pay worth a damn, but it was just a remarkable experience. <laughs> uh, again, because Franklin was always had to get time to fill. He had to. Get, he had shows to make <laughs> and one of the members of the group uh I couldn't tell you her real name but she tried to change it because it was very similar she she billed herself as Con, uh, Donna Coney Island <laughs> and and Franklin saw that and he was in love with it he just loved the idea of Coney Island Donna Coney Island and so the group went and somehow they, they, they booked on the show uh <laughs> I'm trying to think of these. One time they actually had something to, to plug. They had a, they were doing a, a fundraiser or something as part of a bigger comedy venue. And they actually had to go and make it sound like Donna was the head of the group just so Joe Frank get kept, kept saying Donna Coney Island. He just <laughs> loved saying it. And one of the sketches, oh, well, back to, then then circling back again, one of my uh, signature bits for them put out that substance was in uh, a Shakespearean
2: parody called Abbot Othello*, <laughs> and it's basically
1: taking the who's up first thing and putting it in Shakespearean terms, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, the, the three guys had played it through the course of the thing, but for Joe Franklin's show, the leader of the group ceded the part to Donna Coney Island. <laughs> so she could be on screen longer and kind to of justify their existence. It was so fun. The two, other two guys did the bit as usual. She came out, she introduces you know, lost works of Shakespeare and then would interrupt
2: them when it the, the, was going on. <laughs> to ridiculous lengths. And, uh, and after that, so
1: they did that on the show. They got invited back uh, another time where they did a, a sketch. It wasn't mine, It was a, but it was featured Ethel Merman. So again, he was all over that one and then the third time they actually came to plug something they were doing and they didn't get they didn't get to perform it was donna and the guy who ran the group a uh, guy named tom gilpin and essentially i wrote them couch patter <laughs> and they were and because they, and i just they did a thing about uh, i actually lifted from something else i had written for we just Trying to, he asked him, ask us about this. Uh, what kind of uh, leader Tom is? And then Donna would just like start roving. Oh, you're a terrible, you're a terrible leader. You're a terrible manager. And cite all the different bad jobs he's gotten. And um, uh, you, you, you got us a job. Uh, don't, oh, and now I can't even remember. It's something about uh, playing uh, a college campus. Yeah, but it was a, you know, it was a male, it was a correspondence school. or the, I got you to the play of The Letterman. I told you it was going to be on <laughs> The Letterman Show. It was postal carriers. That's not the same thing. It was a series <laughs> of joke. And so, we did that a couple of times. Then, uh, totally unrelated, another friend of mine gets the chance to do a pilot for ABC. Uh, where's the party? Premise was there's a penthouse party do comedy sketches all in all within the, the confines of the the this party penthouse mm-hmm. and one of the guests at Coast, Joe Franklin mm-hmm. so they drive him up from New York and they do an interview with him and he's like doing his you know Joe Franklin dad jokes. It was a cute little interview and then they have him, you know, they segue <laughs> out with some guy, human Beatbox, who would do a musical rendition of something just by hitting his cheeks and slapping his leg
2: <laughs>
1: and, and that was my, uh, my intersection with Joe Franklin okay, because
0: my, my knowledge of him is from uh, Drew Friedman uh, when he used to draw for Weirdo and stuff like that, occasionally he'd do a, pa- a page or two and do somebody, some weird person like Tor Johnson being interviewed by Joe Franklin, something like that. You know. So I go, oh, there must be a guy named Joe Franklin who's kind of known in the East Coast or New York area or whatever. So that's kind of where
1: my oh, knowledge was, comes. And then even after the TV show, like, kind of went off because the station was on, got taken over, you know, all the, the wow. little independent stations got taken over by yeah. Big He still did radio.
2: Oh was, wow! Uh, okay.
1: Those dying day.
2: Hmm.
0: Because his his show never made it out to the West Coast. The one the one real East Coast one, and you'll probably know this, that made it out briefly to California. And I watched it, and I love the guy now, uh, Uncle Floyd shows. <laughs>
1: Uncle Floyd! Oh my God!
0: <laughs> he was syndicated like in the summer of 82 or 83 or something like that and i fell in love with that show i said this is the greatest show ever and then it went away because you know it <laughs> It was such a uh, New York, New Jersey type thing. It's like it never found its audience out here. But I just liked it because I love shows that are just no budget. It's not low budget. There's no budget. No budget. Zero. Zero
1: budget. (laughs) Actually, I had a a friend of mine who who actually worked on the show, did the post-famous years. Mm -hmm. And... uh, she would just like hang. It was basically like hanging. Out, okay, let's record a show we'll do, and yeah. do shtick and write for him and stuff. And he does radio now. He does he has a radio show. He plays the old timey music and uh, yeah. does some shtick. It still does appear. In fact, so weird. But Donna Coney Island <laughs> was doing a show at a place, and he was on the bill. She's singing with the group now, and she's posted a picture on Facebook. So Donna Coney Island, Uncle Floyd, together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was, that, that was so weird. Cause again, I, I heard about him in college. Yeah, he was doing shows at the at the local uh, in the village, uh, know, the, one of the clubs in the village. He sell out shows with the with the with the puppet and the, the whole the whole playing the old tunes on the on the slightly out of tune piano. Right. College kids loved him. I guess from that, it, it it got some sort of heat where he was syndicated. He was suddenly appearing, but even when he was low budget. People of the show. He has. There's a show out there. I don't know if it's online. Sinatra.
2: Yeah.
1: Is on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with, 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 with the gang. <laughs> After he became big, they were they were then like yeah. taping the show. It was still in production, and because he was now associated, I think it was because he was associated with NBC. They were involved with it. Yeah. And they put him in a post Saturday Night Live slot. And suddenly he's doing a shtick, and who's appearing on it is whoever was in New York being on the, the talk shows. Mm-hmm. Monty Python would show up, right? And I'm sitting there going, "What? <laughs> Monty Python? Uncle Floyd?"
2: Yeah,
1: I couldn't wrap my mind around it, and it just—he mm-hmm. burns very brightly and then just it, it went away yeah and it was just it was just a weird yeah. weird thing
0: the, the ones I remember at the time uh, Peter Tork and of course I think you can see him on YouTube now he was on there a few times you know in, before the, oh, okay. Mon- the yeah, monkeys yeah, yeah. did the big reunion tour and everything so you know it was kind of like oh that's what happened to him <laughs> It's like things like that so you know but well, sorry uh, much. Yeah, it, was,
1: it, was, it was friends I mean most of the time you know, there weren't friends on it most of the time there weren't guests on it most of the time Yeah, but at one point it's just a weird thing because he was in New Jersey. Then the wrestlers would show up. (laughs) Like I say, Sinatra, who's you know a Jersey boy himself, right? Apparently loved the show.
0: Yeah, well, Sinatra. Sinatra even showed up on Soupy Sales way back when. There's there's black and white footage of him getting with a pie thrown in his face. I think it's on DVD. You know, so Sinatra was a good sport when he wanted to be. (laughs) It's up there. (laughs) In fact, he put well, Soup- him, was- he he put Soupy on the Reprise label, so you know he put out a couple albums for Soupy. So he was good friends with them, you know. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't, know that. I didn't yeah. know
1: that. that's very cool.
0: No, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, that was. <laughs> Let's see, and then turning to radio, you did some stuff for Prairie Home Companion. Is that what it says? Yes, I do. Oh wow, was that? <laughs> A lengthy yeah. time or a quickie or
1: what? <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, it lasted, it lasted. I was uh, permitted to submit for a number of years. Oh, uh, again, this was, yeah, this is, this is what overlap would crack. I was like the end of the 90s. I remember writing because we were submitting material uh, you know, right after nine eleven, and maybe, so it was like 98 to, say, 2004 was like the time of submitting and getting hits on a regular basis. hmm And, uh, uh, hmm. Again, sometimes you know, the freelance thing when you you're far away and you're mailing stuff to the. By then, you're you're able to do stuff by email and all. Sometimes it's good that you're far away.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever meet stories? Garrison Keeler or anything, or you just were doing no, the, the, no. The, all through the mails again or whatever?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, all through the mails, and this is where this is when I uh, my opinion of Garrison Keeler is not that good. Yeah. Uh, like he would bring the shows to New York on occasion
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you would think oh maybe he would invite me to the show hang on a second and no he would he never oh. <laughs> would invite me to the show <laughs> uh, he's Garrison Keillor the, the self-proclaimed tax and spend liberal <laughs> is kind of the reason why like, something like the Writers Guild had to be invented <laughs> he you'd he send them the stuff and the, and the the producer I dealt with, with, and again, this was another ad. Was this a Craigslist thing, or I forget? I
0: no, it has to be Village video. Voice. Come on, make it consistent here.
1: All right, the Village Voice again.
3: <laughs> Radio.
0: <laughs> How did the Village Radio Voice go out of business with all these great ads, anyway? That I, I never answered, it. anyway. For, for
1: some, uh, yeah, you know, the white comedy for some descendants of Vikings. <laughs> so, uh, so. I sent it again. I sent them uh, samples, and they were like, "Oh, we loved it." In fact, again, one of the samples I sent them, which was a, a, a version of Abbott and Othello, they loved, and that got put on the air. A much, much condensed version. That's the other thing I learned about him. Hmm. Yeah, he wasn't big into writers' writers' rights. He would just rewrite, change, edit, uh, 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 shorten to his content. He would. He kind of paid you on a whim basis,
3: yeah.
1: And the, uh, how how the audience reacted to the bid If you got big laughs, you might get a little extra something. If you didn't get big laughs, you got some sort of minimum up, which he came up with.
0: <laughs> uh, laugh at me here.
1: And as for on the air credits. Hmm. Very. You know, he barely got mentioned. He would always remember to mention his, you know, our, our writers for tonight's show, or Bob Wire and Sandy Beach. Right. But that was it. You know, yeah. anyway, I know for a fact <laughs> I had something on that night, and my name ain't coming up. <laughs> and uh, and it was so bad. But this is how how funny it is. You know, people just assumed he wrote everything himself. Yeah. To the point when I yeah, you know, I checked with the Writers Guild because I, I was in it at the time. Because of my Hollywood uh, adventure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so I'm in the writing, and I asked him, well, can I write for radio? Does you cover this? And even the writers' guilds are like, oh, doesn't he write it all himself? I'm like, no! <laughs> so even
2: had the writers' guild, <laughs> believing he was turning this stuff out by
1: himself. <laughs> so it was, I was like, say, you never got a heads up when it was going to be on the air. Hmm. You know, the, the, the check, you, once he did, you know, if he used it, you got the check pretty free. He was good at paying stuff. But, you know, on on air credit was, was yeah. minimal. If, yeah, <laughs> many times I didn't get it. Online was a little better mm-hmm. uh, because they would post like, excerpts and uh, stuff online. And he would sometimes <laughs> post on the website, you name know. uh, But now, because of his dealings his, uh, his dating history yeah that, that's all gone now yeah. so that's why i was lucky i recorded a lot of stuff offline
2: Yeah. on a tapered I actually plugged in the thing <laughs> learn record and then tried to record you know and then try to turn it back into digital yeah or i uploaded
1: and that's like i put that stuff on my website too, yeah. just so it exists somewhere
2: yeah
1: i'll, I'll be yeah, honest was i was ne- go ahead no, I was just going to say, it was, and then just, you know, at some point, he just stopped. You know, he didn't start using it. You know, once in a while, we get something yeah. on every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then just suddenly stopped getting stuff on. <laughs> and because uh, you, know, you write a couple of jokes in the beginning, none of them were getting used. The skits weren't getting used. Now I'm not getting any, yeah, he never got feedback. Yeah, And then he fired the, the, uh, the produce, one producer I was dealing with. She got left, the other producers were okay, and then they left. Now he's producing himself, and it was just sending stuff into a big black void. Mm. And I, I wouldn't hear, at one yeah. time, oh, I, I think we finally realized wh- where nothing was going to happen, and I kind of was just like let the whole thing slide. It was never like, there was no agreement, I just stopped submitting to him. And no yeah. one ever said, hey, what happened to Danny? Yeah. He stopped <laughs> submitting. No one came after me. Hmm. I had... I was pitching, I had taken one of my film scripts and kind of converted it into a novel. One of the books is now available on Amazon. <laughs> uh, this thing called Lost Claws, a uh, Santa Claus uh, Christmas Noir yep. mystery.
0: That's what we're going to talk and, about next, uh, but go, go on. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, but there's oh, a segue Then that. Uh, I got involved, I was sending around a book form to agents, and I get a call from an agent, he's interested. I was like, oh, because he saw that I wrote for Garrison the Perry Home Companion they're huh. like oh well you think Garrison Keillor would interview about the book <laughs> and I, I stupidly I'm honest to say no
0: would, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're, he, you're he, probably he, right. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I know I'm right.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I'll I was, say this quickly before we go into the book. So, you know, it's like I was never a huge fan of Garrison Keillor. Sorry for those people out there who are. I just always thought his show was kind of, and maybe I didn't listen to the shows you wrote, but I just always thought it was a show that was almost funny. It was like pre- <laughs> pre- pretending to be a good show you know and i go maybe that's the joke it's like it's supposed to be a good show and you know it i never it never warmed me it was like kind of like it was produced well it was performed well garrison keeler had a decent speaking voice
1: you could hear hear everybody you know but yeah it, yeah. it, it approached Approached
0: the edges of humor and then backed away. Exactly, and I go, okay, maybe that's the shtick. I don't know. I get it. I, I, you know. humor so, anyway, um, but that's my two cents uh, about very uh, home companion. Yeah, well, uh, but it's a known quantity, so I brought it up for that reason.
1: So, <laughs> oh, okay. fine. No, I, again, I don't mind talking about myself. <laughs> In any form, mm-hmm. uh, but that yeah, they just stripped it away. As I said, I had to contact him once or twice. Oh, the writer's guild wanted to know if he's going to be in New York at a certain time, and maybe we could get him to host—not host, but be a presenter at the awards because they did—they do award shows, you know, at that time of year, mm-hmm. and he's usually in New York like Christmas time. And I wrote to ask him that. Mm. He Never responded. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. You know, this is this is just. Shouting into the
0: void at this point. I don't know if they're. I, si- just
1: away. I don't know if
0: they're similar at all, but they kind of remind me. Just of, he, he kind of reminds me of Arthur Godfrey or something like that. You know, I, I haven't. Oh, uh, just... well, more certainly, more so now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Garrison Groper. You know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I,
1: well, yeah. Well, well Gar- Godfrey uh, was the sort of inspiration for a face in the crowd.
2: Yeah. Yeah
1: fun guy on the air who would fire uh, Julius LaRosa. Now, why can't I remember Julius LaRosa's name, but I couldn't remember Jerry Orbach? <laughs> <laughs> on air, on the actual air, he fires him. That
2: yeah, like, yeah. Last- yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, be-
0: well, before we wrap up, you have uh, some novels, and you mentioned one, The Lost Clause," right. and then there's Halloweenies, and a uh, novel concept—is that the other one? Yeah, and. Novel. That, yeah, that's my epic. That's my. Epic. Uh, <laughs> How did those come about? I mean, were those frustration because you couldn't get any more writing gigs on Prairie Home Companion, or they were just written all along, and you just eventually got them done, or? What's the. Uh,
1: well, different things. They all came out of different things. Uh, I mean, certainly, like when I yeah, you know, I'd written, I, there was a script. It was a film script, and I actually had yeah, optioned it in Hollywood and got flown out there, and it was a whole big deal, and then the whole thing fell apart. Uh, so it was my one Hollywood adventure, but it actually got <laughs> optioned by Warner Brothers. <laughs> and after years, it just wasn't going anywhere. And I had it in my mind. A friend of mine was a writer, and he said, Oh, I see, it, it turn into a novel. So I should turn it. And I did it and would send it around, and it never really got any traction. But I had it, you know, it was done. I'd, I'd written it. And I had it And then Amazon Comes out with this uh, The Kindle Oh yeah And then they come out With the e-publishing And e-books And all that stuff So I was like Well you know I have this stuff here And It's not going anywhere (laughs) So I I took the thing And uh, I mean Not to yeah, It's not going anywhere But I all Alright Lost Clothes Was the first one I put out there As a script I'd always gotten Such nice feedback on it and so I put it out there and publicized it in my you know, semi-haphazard, what-am-I-doing uh, way. And I, 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 sold, yeah, I sold a few copies and all. You know, I'm certainly not going to retire off of this novel. <laughs> but I got very nice reviews about it. I mean, I was very happy. The reviews were very nice and positive. So I like, all right, maybe this is something to do. So I, I, I visited, revisited a couple of my other scripts uh, well, the, the, when I wrote Lost, Lost Clause, the the, the the character, Nick Fleber is a detective, very bogey type of detective, and he's in a Christmas story. That was the whole, mm-hmm. the whole shtick. Let's take a hard-boiled detective and have him team up with an elf and look for Santa Claus who's gone missing. Comedy gold. So, uh... Um, <laughs> but the thing was, at one point there was one producer like oh you know what you should do we could pitch this as a movie or TV movie and going could be the the pilot for episodes and Nick Fleber could be a character and because of this on this guy's pushing me I actually wrote a couple of other Nick Fleber adventures (laughs) and then when uh, when the one thing says well let me go back and pull out they had a radio script I had a list of different adventures they could go on and I, I, pulled out uh, another thing. I've written a, a like it was an hour a parody. I wrote half hour version of the show he could pitch and an hour version of the show. This is how insecure I am, and I'm willing to do what anybody tells me to do. <laughs> he tells me, right, two episodes, one of each. Like, oh, okay. So I, so I do one as a parody of uh, the X
2: Files, <laughs>
1: missing person turns out he's abducted. And then I do a parody of Murder, She Wrote. Just to kind of mix it up. So I wanted to do one continuing sort of the fantastic vein of Lost Claws, but then do another one that's just kind of goofy on mysteries in general. And so I took those two things, I, I, uh, you know, grabbed the scripts and then went back and revisited and rewrote them. So now I have like three books of Nick Fleber at mysteries. Uh, I was actually asked a group of Hollywood writers were putting together something, and I wrote a short story for them. Uh, uh, Cupid, is as, Cupid is as Cupid does. <laughs> when Nick very much likes Lost Claws, where he's looking for Santa Claus, he winds up having to look for Cupid. Mm. So that was always the, the, the premise. This, this, this hard-boiled detective keeps winding up in these very weird, supernatural, fantastic mysteries. Mm. Uh, Halloweenies was a, it was a script I wrote. I just loved it. It was always something that was kind of like my childhood. Loved Halloween. I had a, <clears throat> I had a store. had a ton of Halloween sketches I've written over time between, uh, the comedy group, between, uh, the Prairie Home Companion. Uh, even with the, uh, a group I'm, I'm submitting material I deal with now on the West Coast, uh, TMI Hollywood they do uh, hmm. they try to turn on a show a week and they try to do seasonal shows and so yeah, between Christmas and Halloween my two favorite things
2: mm-hmm. I
1: would write these comedy sketches and I had so many uh, it was like oh, what am I going to do with this so I actually wrote a script about childhood and Halloween costumes and just things I remember from my childhood you know, writ large, you know, wacky things that I would never have, a home alone type of plot where he deals you with know, some <laughs> count bitter gangsters come to town, and yeah. hilarity ensues. <laughs> I novelized that. I, I novelized that and did the story, and then I took the skits that I did, and I stick them between the chapters, huh. and I work it into, it's, it's one of the characters actually has been writing these things, uh, so you get to see it in... So I put that out there. And then then my opus, novel concept. There are ideas. Certain times when ideas come to you, you know what they are. This idea. Oh, this is a movie idea. Oh, mm-hmm. this is a TV idea. This is like a half hour. This is a comedy skit. Oh, this is a prose piece. This is just like a, a comedic article I could just write or a crack that. And this one idea just presented itself as a book. And I'd never written a book. And this is years ago. I started working on it years and years ago. I uh, I, I, I wrote it. I, I completed it.
2: I then lost the bulk, bulk of it with a computer mm. issue I had. <laughs> and I was just I, I, I couldn't let myself even
1: go back and visit it and then the e-publishing thing comes up and mm-hmm. I, I liked the way lost clause did in space case oh to plug the only reason i went forward with these uh, the idea of doing a self-published book mm-hmm. is have you ever seen some of the covers on these things
0: well i've <laughs> seen you mean on your books uh, i've seen the covers No, not on
1: my book oh. no 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 I'm about the plug uh, oh. they, they put these covers out like clipboard pasted together they're awful oh my daughter. Was a, grew up to be a graphic designer and she designs book covers at St. Moran's Press. Oh. Okay. And I asked her, would you design a book for this? Oh, sure, Dad. Because I know she has to. I gave her life. Yeah. <laughs> so she <was> back. <laughs> she And she's done these wonderful covers to the book, which uh, th- th- to me makes, if, if it didn't look that professional, I don't even know if I could go ahead and do these
2: things. Yeah.
1: Because the yeah. last thing I need to put is a, you know, some uh, homemade knucklehead color tile style of clip art cover mm-hmm. which I be out there all the time so uh, I'd written this and then because of the this e-publishing thing I said you know what I, sh- I should really complete this so I went back I found the old files pieced together what I had rewrote half from memory half new the, 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 the sections the chapters in the middle that got lost and completed that and it's I got one such review. Some guy reviewed me like he was a professional reviewer, mm-hmm. person. Mr. Piero, the tenth year, he loved the book. I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. The one who, who does Amazon stuff just write a review that was so nice. Mm-hmm. And it's just the and that again, everything comes from some version of myself. Young writer wants to write. Is told, oh, you can't write this. You gotta he wants to write you know, some big epic bestseller well you can't write that you, you're only good with history and he goes I need to go out and see
2: the world so I can write what I know he <laughs> stows away on a boat and then his adventures go through. it's a very episodic book
1: but he keeps you know each, each place he winds up doing adventures some of it's a parody I, I you know touch on horror I touch on prison drama uh, fantasy kingdoms it was, it was just a Blast for me to write, and the fact that I was finally assembled it and put it out there, I was very happy with it. Like I say, it's, it, it got some very nice feedback. So mm. the stuff is out there. I, I haven't. I've managed to occupy myself another way, so I
2: haven't really. There's there's another thing that's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be writing. I
1: haven't. <laughs> and, you know, the, the that little, sounds like me. Little, <laughs> <laughs> it, right, you get you get to a point it's like. I've fallen in with this group and I try, I end up writing for them like a skit a week mm-hmm. and another online site I've been doing them they're uh, uh, deal with comedy so you're yeah, dealing with uh, writing one-liners for these people and uh, it's, it
2: satisfies some of the itch because <laughs> it's a
1: very instant gratification and you're you know, to knock
2: out a five-page six-page skit mm-hmm.
1: it's, good, it's done. it's done it's gratification and you move on to the pull up my bootlaces and to tackle a, uh, a film script or, or, or take one of my old bits and uh, turn it into a new book has become very daunting in my old age. <laughs> I'm <laughs> rarely dragging my feet with this nonsense. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I got stuff I want to do. I know in my brain I have it. I just yeah. have uh, by myself taking in a lull at the moment. So. That's okay i go through
0: periods like that i go ah, i can't work on anything and then suddenly i just get the creative juices again and start writing again you know it's like but right now i'm kind of like doing the podcast and i go i know i'm supposed to be working on this one book but it's not due till, <laughs> it's not due till 2020 so i you know <laughs> as long as it's twenty 28- eight <laughs> what
1: I go you you well. you can't
0: yeah, you keep churning out things yeah yeah but I mean I, I finished a lot of stuff this year that isn't out yet so I'm kind of like I don't want to work on the 2020 project yet it's like as long as it still says 2018 on my wall calendar I f- I'm fine that's how I figure it but then I might regret it and go wow I didn't work on something for the last three months but oh well <laughs> <laughs> all
1: the same yeah. And the thing is, oh, well, if I glide through and normally, you, you, you yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll glide through it, I'll get, I can buckle down and do it when I have to do it. And then something goes wrong, it's like, oh darn, if I had given myself the extra time, this hurdle wouldn't be quite so high. And,
2: right. Oh, well, you know, it, and your typewriter
1: breaks. Back in the day, yes. It's like oh no ribbon, in the store.
0: Or like what are, you oh, said, no. you you lose your hard drive, and then it's like yeah. yeah. <sighs> Boy, that'll
1: that'll take the wind out of your sales real fast. <laughs> 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 so, oh, yeah. um,
0: to bef- before we go, be, uh, once you stop procrastinating, do you have any future projects you'd like to plug or anything like that?
1: Oh, future projects.
0: Uh, Or current projects. (laughs) Well,
1: as I said, right now, the thing I've been involved with, uh, uh, there's a comedy group on the West Coast in L.A. They call it TMI Hollywood. And they produce a show every week, brand new show. Frankly, they're insane. (laughs) But they they very much uh, try to mimic that. They, they, They have a group of writers, we're all out and wherever, Because you know, LA is apparently you know lousy with writers, <laughs> and uh, they they get the material Wednesday. They do read throughs. They start rehearsal Thursday, Friday, and then they do the show uh, Sunday night. Uh, I've had some uh, success with them. They did again; They squat, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've used some of my stuff. They they started producing a video, sort of a you know weekend update. Like, re- week in review, uh, Celebrity Minute style of um, the current events, and uh, writing jokes for them, and that they, I usually get a couple in in each video, uh, and some of the things, I've just been so happy with some of the stuff, it took a while, It's uh, not to plug my, my blog for, <laughs> what's that do, plugging my blog, <laughs> but I just in my head this month. You know, it's Halloween coming up, and I, like I said, brought said the thing I have a ton of Halloween stuff. Where's it going to go? So I started using it, one, to kind of push Halloweenies the book, you know. I've, mm-hmm. But I'll, I've been posting some of my Halloween stuff from all the various formats, back going back to Prairie Home, or, you know, you write a ton of stuff for them. And then realizing the different muscles, the stuff from Prairie Home had to be very short. You know, the Steve Allen stuff, yeah, you couldn't do more than a minute. Prairie Home the stuff that he would let us write couldn't be more than a few minutes. It usually was like a commercial commercial parody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, couldn't be more than two minutes. It would do, it would, when I wrote something long, he would just cut it down to bare minimum. <laughs> uh, now I'm back this group because they're on stage and they can't do quick cuts. So what they got to do is they got a big cast. So you want to write. And now up. I'm getting back in the rhythm, my first stuff was essentially blackout material.
2: It was barely two pages long. <laughs> and
1: I've rediscovered the ability to write a skit so that had a little bit of a plot, had multiple characters. Few, I was, I'm very happy to get those those muscles working again. That's cool. Uh, so that's and uh, they're, they're, they're they're pretty talented. And uh, as I said, they're these young kids today, and they all want to make <laughs> it. Uh, obviously, they're, they're they're pushing hard to get somebody to, to, to notice them, and I, I hope they do. There. Mm-hmm. They're a very talented group of people, um, and just the task they take on to me—that's insane to do a live show every. Well, they do about three weeks a month,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they take various their various breaks. Then they do theme shows every so often, like the the Comic Con is out there. They did a Comic Con show, which was the last time I, they used one of my bits. Mm. I did a parody of I did a parody of the Quick Draw conference they do.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it's.
1: Mark Ebeneer yeah
0: and Sergio and I think Scott Shaw yeah. does it or something <laughs>
1: yeah I've, ne- now, I've, I've never been but I read Mark Ebeneer's uh, blog right and he always talked about the lead up he's a very he does nothing technically has nothing to do with the the comic con he's just like owns it because yeah. he's there, everyone's like the billion panels and he owns yeah. this and uh, he's just you know Mr. Mr. Writer guy as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. <laughs> he just he just does everything but I, you know, I've seen tapes of the thing and I just finally you know what there's something that nobody's ever parodied before so I did that and the group used it I was like oh that's very happy I'm, I'm, I sent it to Mr. Evanier but I, I haven't, I'm haven't. waiting for a reaction from him mm. it hasn't come uh, yeah and they do the videos every week I get some jokes in there so TMI Hollywood Minute uh, yeah like I said long term I'm supposed to be taking one of my
2: scripts and turning into another Nick Blubber adventure. hmm And I have a sequel to
1: Halloweenies, the same family, but a Christmas story with the various different things. And again, utilizing
2: the some of the myriad of uh, Christmas sketches I've written over the years.
1: mm mm-hmm. uh, You know, play around with the same... Oh, uh, there's, a, there's a website uh, called The Big Jewel. hmm huh again they play squat but looks good on the resume (laughs) and uh, you'll get exposure and uh, every so often they do prose pieces so when I come up with a a prose idea that doesn't necessarily work as a skit or dialogue or anything nothing long uh, I send it to them there's a guy who uh, has that thing now name Julius Ferroza can come up with
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh
1: Kurt Kurt Luck, I think L-U-C-H, He runs that. He's he's an author. He's done a lot of different things. I, oh, I actually crossed paths with him. One of the radio syndicators I dealt with. they wrote material for them after Prairie Home Companion. There was these two different companies that syndicated comedy mm-hmm. all over the country, and uh, I wrote a lot of. Yeah, you know, again, that was short writing.
0: Two minutes. Was, was that a, was that American uh, Comedy Network? I saw that, too. I didn't mention that. So Yeah. Okay.
1: American Comedy Network and All-Star Radio. And, uh, yeah, they I, I, I did very well with them. I was selling stuff with them. I'm
0: pretty... Now, were you, I, I should have asked about that because I was just curious. Did you work with Bob Rivers at that time or no? I, no. Okay. I mean, I... don't know well he does a song parody so I don't know if you're doing those so it's like it might be Uh,
1: I I did I don't know who produced them or anything it's not like anybody ever told me (laughs) oh did he did he produce those things or
0: oh well I thought I I I, I thought he wrote them but maybe he just produced them and maybe you wrote them and you don't know no (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I,
1: I did do a couple of song parodies for them That was uh, like a okay. gift I did not know I could do mm-hmm. But they like song parodies because they're brief It's radio These are usually radio things So that would work in to their format So it's mm-hmm. usually commercial parodies I would do mm-hmm. uh, Or if you were going to goof on something It had to be as a commercial parody yeah. so if you came up with any kind of fit turn it into a commercial with an you know, off-screen announcer walking you through it or a commercial parody and mm-hmm. uh, then that's why going back to this, this group now was to get back to writing anything right. longer than two pages was uh, yeah. I, it took a while to get back in that rhythm again
0: right did you ever do you ever have any plans now because I mentioned Mads now published out of LA and uh, Bill Morrison is now the editor uh, contributing to Mad again or is that has that ship sailed since the crack days?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I guess I could go back. <laughs> they won't know me. Uh,
0: they will know, now. God. They're listening. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. oh, darn it. <laughs> Hire this Draft. guy. Hire me, too, because I want to... <laughs> it's the oh, only oh, magazine yeah. out there. <laughs> you yeah. know. That's the
2: weird. Yeah, the, I, you know, I keep considering, but
1: again, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, I, sh- I should do that, and I never quite get around to assembling the material. Yeah. And I really need to buy the magazine and see what their how their rhythm is. It's so much of his. Sometimes it's a matter of you got to get the rhythm of the place.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Lay of the land.
2: Well,
0: well they've d- they've I, done I, four I, issues. I I'll say this: they've done four issues, and I think it's like a breath of fresh air. I still think they're finding their way. But uh, the last ten years or so with Fakara's editor by himself I thought it got really stodgy and then it just got to the point where oh, you know, hey, we found some humor in making fun of Trump. And it wasn't a little making fun of Trump, it was a lot to where it's like, okay, I mean I don't I don't care for the guy either but you're kind of overkilling it here. You know, uh, and yeah. so the new mad, you know, they'll put a jab in it, but they'll tackle other subjects again. And it's like, ah, you know, it's like, so.
1: Well, that's it. I think that the, 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 that's the danger of anything. You know, Once you, you kind of become your own little echo chamber, yeah. and, the, like, I guess the, you know, the, the new, again, because people aren't, face, at least I'm assuming, and mad maybe it was like crack. You're not face to face with people, and it's a very small circle they have. We're making these editorial decisions, yeah, and you can't that. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if they suffer from my thing. I don't know, like Disney went through a whole phase where after Walt died, it was like, well, what would Walt do? And they became paralyzed, right? You know, paralysis by analysis, and uh, they couldn't figure out what to do because we Walt wanted that way. And at some point, you need that fresh breath. They're like, it doesn't matter what Walt. Would do because yeah. he's kind of gone, and maybe we just need to take it. I mean, it was—it's all corporate. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like people stand around. Oh, we should move to the west. Corporate DC is owned by. Who,
0: well, it's you know, all Warner Brothers. Warner? Yeah, it's time. Yeah, yeah. it's all so Warner Brothers. Warner's
1: like yeah, we want everybody under the same roof. Think about they, yeah. know, they with crap. Yeah, in Florida bought it, and they all—we oh, want everything down in Florida now. Yeah, but, And that's one of the heartbreaks is that because that anthrax thing, all that work it was gone. Right all the cracked archives had to be destroyed because of the exposure to that stuff so Mm -hmm.
0: before we go do so, you want to say or give his advice or say don't do it stay out of writing
1: <laughs> well yeah we covered writing nasty letters to man don't do that uh, <laughs> uh, I mean well, do I have any advice if I had any advice I would take it myself <laughs> uh, I mean you know if, if it feels like there's all the ways I've reached the age now where it's like all the reasons I should just like pack it in I don't because there's some, you know, some even with the laziness and the things and you know you have to do when you're young you're like oh, I could do anything and after a few years you realize actually no you can't
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if you join, it, it, I still there's something to do it again. oh when I get it
2: when you get that idea that first idea mm-hmm. and it first click, oh god there's no feeling like that whatsoever
1: and it's just, and it's nice that I know that I can take an idea and turn it into something. And I wish I had more outlets, but yeah. you know, I'm doing what I can. Uh, you know, I, I don't know when if I should quit. I mean, I, if you listen to the podcast on on the creative life, I just get so depressed. It's like all these people made it, and I haven't. <laughs> on the other hand, but every so often, I. I, I i reminded of something. Yeah, I remember one years ago, a, a friend of mine, and he, that was a guy who had, it had some success. He, he, he was actually involved with a TV show and all. And then recently, so another friend of mine, he'd been uh, sort of on the creative side of Show uh, Showtime and all. He, he recently retired. And he said something to me, which the other guy said, wow, yeah, I've always been impressed by you. Mm. I'm like, what? But you know, you did this and this, and you stayed with it. And he, he was a writer, but he just kind of let things, you know. So he did, he didn't continue with it, and he got involved in other things. And uh, but he, he didn't keep writing. Yeah. And if that's his own reward, yeah, I'm glad I didn't keep, you know, because if, if to me, like it has happened,
2: so yeah. it could
1: happen again. But that's one thing that you know, if it did happen. and to hear it from
2: somebody outside because this goes back to like when i'm talking to crack mm-hmm.
1: you know i mail the stuff out i email the stuff out yeah you're not you're not in the the wacky office and with the crazy neighbor and you, you, you're always sitting alone in front of the screen typing on the keyboard and you send it out there and either it hits or doesn't and you kind of forget oh there is stuff out there like I, I, I don't know if this is but you know I I stop and think I was, you know, I actually did go out to Hollywood once there was a movie the movie studio I liked my script enough to option it
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean certainly it went south from there but that not my fault <laughs> Crack Magazine I was I was a steady writer with them I, I like yeah. to think they they liked my work I mean for his, I was always felt included in there and towards the end as it went down again nobody's fault but you know Culpin only tried to he tried to keep it as, as a unit and I've had stuff produced it's aired on national airways uh-huh. whether it's Steve Allen or uh, the syndicated radio thing I one time uh, that the syndicated thing the movie uh, song parody I did was on CBS FM radio here in New York they never do parody things hmm. like, oh my god how did that happen <laughs> and, and, you, and you forget yeah but it, it, uh, it's a nice feeling if you have the people uh, the if you your work it's to like competent people who can do a nice job with it
2: mm-hmm.
1: you just you sit in a little bit of awe not just of yourself but just the whole process like you wrote something on paper yeah. you sent it to them and they bring it to life in some manner and it, it, it's just a, an amazing feeling i mean it, uh and if you can get that feeling i you know, it's like i guess you want know, to be addicted. we chase it at all odds. And fortunately, I've always had one foot in reality, you know, yeah. my husband, wife, family. Uh, it couldn't go too far afield, go chasing that dream wherever it takes me. Uh, you know, there's still <laughs> the day-to-day reality to keep you grounded. But uh, it was always weird. I always felt like I had one foot in each world Yeah. and one kind to help balance the other where I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, you know, not gonna jump in a car, and drive to L.A., and, serve uh weight tables or something and uh this isn't I'm rambling at this point. That's not even advice. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck where's I they going with this now?
0: Oh you were still what talking? Heck? I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: <my bad.
2: laughs>
0: I may have to break this one up into two episodes. I probably will because it's you know, we're talking about two hours here, which is fine. Uh, Oh my god, all right.
1: (laughs) You get me started, man. Yeah. Anyone get me started. I I used in an office all day and I can all say boo and now I guess somebody wants to to hear my story? Shut me up
0: see i work in an office where i'm on the phone all day so it's like i'm like really like uh do i really want to do this but at the same time you're doing most of the talking i ask the question then i can just sit back and go ah he's he's talking very very clever (laughs) um but this has been very entertaining and uh, very good um any last things to say, plugs or websites or anything, or anything else, uh, uh, shoe size? I don't know. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, the usual best. Social media, buy, buy my book. Uh, uh, Dan, Yeah, I'm danfigurella.com. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I, I, yeah, I, I use my Twitter feed to put out I mean, Actually, that's a weird thing. That takes a lot of it. You scratch a lot of itches. When you get a one-liner or something,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you post it on Twitter, that... that that's like scary how much of it it, sh- and then it distracts you from doing something real
2: <laughs> but uh
1: yeah i uh yeah i i, I tweet probably too much <laughs> and uh, but yeah but that's but i throw out yeah know that's the jokes and stuff yeah my advice uh, is the facebook
0: yeah <laughs> galaxy rangers still
1: exists out there and there are fans and they're they're on they're on the web and Mm -hmm. it's a bit of an ego stroke having them pop up on my web they ask me questions Mm. uh it's just yeah it's just all this stuff it it, it exists it's out there people do watch it they like it and you you kind of forget it it's like my friend used to say he Because he didn't go around, you know, you work in an office, you don't tell everybody you're a writer. He always said, "I said, you don't." He goes, "Yeah, it's like my superpower. It's my my secret identity. Yeah, yeah. I'm Clark Bent here, but out there I'm Superman, and I really don't want people to know. And it's kind of nice once in a while. Well,
0: well, for me, I don't like to explain myself. It's like they go, "You're a writer. What are you working here for?" (laughs) Oh,
2: the other thing, oh you should write about this place. It's so funny. Uh, uh, and I no, I write forget
1: about this place, you know.
2: <laughs> that that that
1: would have finally came out at work and they found out that's constantly. Oh wow, you should write this. This is funny. Are you paying attention? Mm. Oh, why don't you write about no nah, that's okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> mm. All
0: right. Well, oh. it has been a pleasure and uh <laughs> thank you thank you, Sonora. It really was
1: a pleasure. It's just like something cool and neat for me. So, all
2: right. Uh, and
1: cool, cool, cool.
0: Once I get it set up, I'll send you a copy and post it all over the place, and uh, you'll know about it soon.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Please, please do. Please do. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out and the invitation. I right. It's uh, this is something new for me. It's like a, <laughs> a career retrospective. Yeah. oh yeah, I had a career of sorts. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: cool. All right.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you very so much, right, Dan. And hopefully we can talk again soon. Absolutely.
1: All right. Absolutely. You Have All a good right, day. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You too. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Dan Fiorella, for being my special guest. Episode number nine will be coming soon. If you'd like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help. This has, been pr- pr- this has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2018
3: Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.